Hey guys, welcome to Heart to Talk the Podcast. I am the host and creator, Teresa Caesar. My intention for this podcast is to deliver to you wisdom, inspiration, and consciousness through solo episodes and conversations amongst insightful people. It is my greatest honor to bring to you talks that come from the heart. I don't know if you know this, but April is Occupational Therapy Month, and I've got the perfect guest, Julia Grover Berry, here today, and I'm super excited and honored because you're actually Heart to Talk's first occupational therapist, so welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be the first. I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce this audience to who you are and what you do. Okay. So... My name is Julia Grover Berry, and I've been an occupational therapist for 33 years. And currently, I have a private practice, and I am a student in the Master's of Applied Neuroscience at King's College London. I'm almost through my advanced modules and going into my research year. But I have a private practice called Intuned, where I work with students of all ages, although mostly I work with children. And I look at improving sensory processing challenges and efficiency difficulties, academic learning issues, and getting my students to express themselves and communicate better. The ultimate goal that I have when I'm working with my students is that they find joy in the roles that they are playing, whether that's at home or at school or in the community. But living the best life that people can and improving the skills that they need to be able to optimize their function is what I focus on with my students. There's just a lot of children that are very stressed at school with, and with a lot of the pressures and expectations and sometimes just being in tuned with your awareness and improving your skills, whether they be your motor coordination skills or your visual skills, your executive function skills, like how you focus and are able to initiate and make good uh, reasoning and judgment decisions that can really help to improve their overall level of happiness at being and willingness to go to school and, and participate And certainly with a lot of children that have mental health issues. And I know there's been more of a spotlight on that since the pandemic, but this has always been, you know, a significant issue. I'm curious, what got you into this field? So a lot of times parents bring their children for me to evaluate because they have sensory processing difficulties or challenges. And I totally relate to the parents and what they're going through because I was one of those children where I had the sensory, you know, the tactile hypersensitivity. I didn't like certain clothes touching my skin. I was a very picky eater, extremely moody, irritable child. In fact, even in first and second grade, I found excuses to leave school and I would actually Back in the day when you could just like say, oh, I have a dentist appointment or something and leave the school, I would, I would actually leave. I was so stressed out sitting in a desk that I, I 
yeah, many times I left school because I was, I just could not handle it. So what got me into this is the fact that I was one of these children for which I specialize with because I can totally relate to what the parents are going through and I can relate to how the child feels. And it wasn't really until I was an adult that I, you know, found ways of basically managing how I was able to cope with some of the sensory challenges that I had. So a lot of the things that were difficult for me were just focusing on something visually and I would feel like my vision was like tunnel vision or like closing down where, you know, I really could only focus on what was in front of me and not like out in panoramic view. I was very stuck in this very myopic world. Wow. So it was mostly through different types of exercise and movement that really freed up my vision a lot. But You know, as an occupational therapist working with children and adults that do have sensory challenges and other different types of mental health disorders that that see things differently, I've been able to help through exercises that I have come up with to improve visual focus and attention and being able to, you know, shift gaze from close to far away to be able to manage what's going on in the dynamic environment, which a lot of different types of mental health issues and neurodevelopmental difficulties, they do have some visual processing issues as part of that sensory processing challenge. So through what I did for myself and in being able to improve my, my vision, I was able to come up with things to help other people. And I use a lot of different movement activities and stuff to change brain circuits in terms of how they communicate and what the connectivity of the brain is like so that we can make better decisions. I like that you and I talked about this whole concept of we're not stuck with the brain we're born with. And solutions to brain challenges. So no matter what, we can overcome and live these fulfilling lives, healthy relationships, very successful careers, despite what we think, because a lot of people, children, even adults, right, feel limited and embarrassed, maybe don't even say anything. They kind of hide it. Do you see any of that? Yeah, I think that especially adults that have some anxiety and depression and other mental ill health diagnoses. It's just, we all have a different way of looking at things and people that have mental ill health have some dysfunction in how they are able to cope in the world and what they're able to do. And a lot of times we just kind of get in our own way. So with some behavioral tools of getting out of our way and getting ourselves unstuck, but a lot of that takes doing something different. But, you know, that's why I decided to take what I know as an occupational therapist and do some different things. Because sometimes we get stuck even with what we do professionally because mm, we think there are the rules. These are the rules as an occupational therapist. I do this, 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 and this with my, with my clients or with my patients. And I feel like I have, you know, really 
gone outside of those rules. You know, obviously there are certain things that I have to do to keep a, a license as an occupational therapist, but thinking outside of the box and, you know, seeing everybody as an individual and not just using some recipes, you know, what suits this individual? How am I going to get this person, um, better brain health and function based on what I'm seeing their skills are right now. And, and not just because this is, you know, we do this and then we do this and then we do that. That's just extremely generic. And I really like just looking at everybody as an individual and what their needs are. That just is so inspiring. I love that you said that because that just makes you so powerful in what you do. And I think people need to hear that. You can make your own rules, essentially. Like you said, obviously, to stay in, within the license. But I really exactly. love that you said that. I, that's just, wow. So what tips do you have? In terms of what I would say, just generically, is that if if an individual or their child is having difficulties with getting a good night's sleep, a lot of mental health issues and brain challenges are caused by not having a full seven and a half to eight hours of good solid sleep. When I'm evaluating somebody and working with somebody, that is typically the place that I start if that is an issue. So think about people that are are very typical functioning and how we feel when we don't sleep well, well, that exacerbates a lot of the negative symptoms of mental ill health is not having a good night's sleep. So that if that is an issue, if you're not falling asleep quickly and staying asleep, then that is always the number one place to start. And I really value using natural remedies for trying to have a better night's sleep. So that's tip number one. And then number two, a lot of neurodevelopmental disorders and people with mental health issues, they're symptoms are worse if triggered by stress. Mm -hmm. So in terms of stress management, the best thing for managing stress is doing exercise and not just any type of exercise, but exercise that really provides full mobility of your hips. So a lot of really deep hip flexion and repetitive or sustained. So it's not just about running, even with running, Great exercise, great for stress management and decreasing the stress hormone cortisol. But if you really want to decrease cortisol and decrease stress, really taking your hips to the limits of their mobility is the best. And the reason why is that we have this thing in our brain called the HPA axis or the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And the hypothalamus is responsible for a lot of our, you know, base as humans. And one is movement of the hips. And that's usually meant for like sexual reproduction is what that is for. But when we don't get a lot of hip mobility, we have a lot more the turning on of the switches for hormones that are generated from the hypothalamus to the pituitary, to the adrenal glands to release more and more cortisol. So the more we can do activities that have hip mobility in it, then we decrease or we rebias that HPA axis and it decreases that cortisol release from the adrenal glands. 
So neuroscience hasn't caught up with that yet, but I'm sure one day you will be reading about it because there is a lot of research. And I've said this so many times over the years, and it has not made a, a liar out of me yet because sometimes people say, well, where's the research on this or that? And it's like, it's coming. It is yeah. coming. So we have a lot of really good research about the HPA axis and just exercise in general. I think we will see in coming years what types of exercise are more likely to reduce cortisol. And that will be one of them. And this is based on, you know, working with many, many, many children and adults and seeing the results of the types of work that we're doing with movement. That's so, so incredible. I, I have to say, no wonder I love my Zumba class so dang much and I feel so good. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the dance stuff is great. Yoga, great. Lots of hip mobility in that, as well as things like Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, and that, which is, seems to be really popular right now. And then a movement technique called Feldenkrais, which I am which is not mainstream, Ooh. but it is a, a movement method. And there is a lot of, you get into a lot of very novel positions and a lot of these novel positions are hip, you know, based on a maximum hip flexion. And then even just doing squats, like sustained squats, which is Ido Portal. He's a movement culture guru and this is what he and it's not necessarily for stress management he is he does he advocates doing sustained squats for just having no lower back pain having no knee pain having no hip pain but another side to that is stress management really great for stress wow. management so tip number two decreasing cortisol in your blood by doing exercise that involves a lot of hip flexion. Just number three is that movement is medicine and just keep moving. So with a lot of the interventions that I do with my students, it's all action-based. It's movement-based and that there is value in talk type therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy. But in terms of doing challenging movements that cause a lot of errors really helps to you know, grow more brain circuitry and more brain communication. For everything we do, there is neural networks that are communicating and movement is one of the best ways to get so many of those neural networks, you know, more strengthened and connected. So move, move, wow, move. Those are such great tips and so simple. And these are tools, right? <laughs> that we have. That's right. I mean, too, I mean, they're they're behavioral tools. And I feel like before people go towards the medication stream, because obviously pharmacology, therapeutics, they have their place. But there's so many things in terms of just natural tools that we need to use before, especially with children, I think, that we're doing them a disservice by just putting them on neurostimulants for attention um, right off the bat without trying anything else. Thank you so much for those powerful tips. I'm just so inspired to keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. Okay. Is there any other information, topics, messages that you want to say to this audience? I think that people need to find, like to look a little bit deeper when they're looking for help whether it's for their child, whether it's for themselves. And recently I've had, you know, parents of even, you know, at 
the child is an adult and they're still looking for answers and for help to support with an adult child that has a mental health problem. And I think we have to, again, look outside the routine things that we look at or the behavioral health. And I I don't have any disrespect for a lot of these great organizations, but sometimes there's some limitations there. It doesn't work for everybody. And I really feel that there needs to be some more research. There are people out there that can help, but sometimes you have to go out of the mainstream to find the help that you need. I've been an occupational therapist for 33 years and how I practice, I mean, has evolved over time. And again, doing things more on an individual basis as opposed to, oh, in this situation with this diagnosis, this is what we do. I really don't look at diagnosis all that much anymore, quite honestly. I look at what are the evaluation results? I want to hear the history And I want to hear what other things have been done. When I'm doing an evaluation, I want to see what are those skills? What can we leverage as good function? And where do we need to bring things up? And and then working on things that have meaning for the, the person, as opposed to, this is what we do, but we have to make it fun. It has to be meaningful for them and to fulfill their goals. And, and just doing a lot of education with the family because I just feel like in this busy world in healthcare, the education that is done for the most part is so like down and dirty and it's just not enough for people to absorb. And as much as I can, I just try to educate on why, why you're seeing this with your child. Why is this an issue for them and light bulbs go on. And then there's much more understanding and ability to know how to support. That's so amazing. I've learned so much in just this small amount of time of the impact that working with someone like you can do for someone's life. And that being said, what would you say your mission is? It's to be of service so that I can provide a better foundation of functional skills for people, especially in the realm of sensory processing and movement and having better mental health and being equipped to function at our very best and in ways that are natural and honor the natural rhythm of ourselves. You are just this wealth of knowledge and the tips that you've provided for this audience. I'm in full gratitude and just honored I would love for you to share with us how we can get a hold of you. Sure. The best way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is www.intuned and it's in dash tuned child.com. And on there's a link and you can find my email on there. And there's a lot of information about how I work with people and the different resources that I have. So even just, Checking out my website, reading my blog, you may learn something. You may never need to see me. It may be just something that you can get off my website that would be a good resource for you. I love that you mentioned the blog. Oh, the Super Sensory blog. And it doesn't come out like every week or every two weeks. It's as I feel inspired with something and I want to share something and it you know, goes out to, I think there's maybe 2,500 people or something that have signed up so far. 
That's um, amazing. Well, per tradition, I'm going to close up the episode with the three ending questions. So the first one, what is your favorite book? So actually my favorite book is a collection of poetry by Rumi. You may have heard of it. It's called The Essential Rumi by Coleman Barks. And why I like it is because no matter how you're feeling or what mood you're in or what frame of mind, you can actually open that book and you can find something related to your state at that time. And it just makes you feel that I'm not the first one to feel like this. I'm not the last. It just gives me some momentum about you know, I can get over this or this is nothing. This, I, this will pass. And Rumi has been around since the 13th century. He was a 13th century Islamic scholar. And if they felt like that back then, and I'm feeling like this now, I will get over it. I will, you know, overcome. I love it. Thank you for that recommendation. And the next one, what's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is a quote by Moshe Feldenkrais, and it's actually on my signature line on my website, and it's been there forever, but it's nothing is permanent about our behavior patterns except our belief that they are so. So basically, things can change even if you don't think so, and it's like, get out of your own way. <laughs> you know, and, and so many of us get in our own way in terms of making changes or people may give us some really good tips, but if you've never applied those tips, if you never do it, how is anything ever going to change? So we just need to get out of our own way and have the belief that we do have the power to change our behavior. I love that. Oh my goodness. And the last question, what inspires you? Right now, I'm very inspired by people who don't act with ego, mm -hmm. that they can put their ego aside to learn freely from other people and to teach freely other people without any expectations of something in return. And just that they are so giving of themselves to help elevate other people. That's what inspires me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Please download, rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. Also, be sure to visit my website at TeresaCaesar.com to check out my inspirational merch, connect to my social accounts, and much more. May you continue to be filled with wisdom, inspiration, and consciousness. Otherwise, friends, I will be back in two weeks for another episode of Heart to Talk.